Hey, welcome to the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast. Glad you found us for another season. Really hope you enjoyed the guests that we have today. Take a listen. Reach out if you want some more information. Enjoy the time. Enjoy the learn. Hopefully you get better from this. The Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast is a big fan of cookies. I'm excited to announce the podcast now has an official cookie sponsor, Texas Treaties. Texas Treaties is a Dallas-based custom cookie company that can design and decorate any shape and color combo you can think of. Not only do they look amazing, they taste great also. Texas Treaties is offering Dallas area listeners a special 10% off promo. Use the code podcast at checkout. Link to order will be in the show notes. If you are in the market for fine men's wear, i.e. suits, shirts, ties, etc., you need to check out Etiquette Dawn. I personally have several pieces from him, and every time I wear them, I feel confident, well-dressed, and I receive many compliments. Etiquette Dawn is a truly custom apparel company that will have you look, looking like a sharp-dressed man. Check out www.etiquettedawncustomapparel.com for more information. Make sure to follow them on Instagram and TikTok at Etiquette Dawn as well. All coaches have their go-to drink for waking up and getting their energy boosted. For me, that's coffee. I prefer black coffee, so that means buying high-quality beans so that I can grind and brew them at home and enjoy my cups of happiness. Viking Coffee is my go-to company for a monthly subscription of great variety of beans that produce excellent cups time after time. Podcast listeners, use the code COFFEEWITHNOONAN, all one word, for a 10% discount off. Check out www.vikingcoffeeco.com for more details and to order the official coffee of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast. Drink coffee, work hard. In this episode, I talk with Director of Strength and Conditioning at Florida State University, Josh Storms. Josh Storms was named Florida State's Director of Strength and Conditioning on December 28, 2019. Coach Storms earned a Master's Strength and Conditioning Coach Distinction the highest honor given in the strength and conditioning coaches profession by the Collegiate Strength and Conditioning Coaches Association in 2018. He is certified through both the CSCCA and NSCA. He was the strength coach for the Memphis football team from 2016 to 2019 after working with football for 11 years on the sports performance staff at Arizona State. Coach Storms has worked with Mike Norvell each of his six seasons as a head coach, playing an integral role in the development and continued rise of those football programs. Coach Storms spent 2005 to 2015 at Arizona State, helping develop student-athletes who participated in a school record five straight bowl games covering his final five seasons in Tempe. Coach Storms joined the Arizona State staff after two years as an assistant strength coach at UNLV. He spent 2001 as a seasonal assistant strength coach with the Minnesota Vikings. Coach Storms played tight end at the University of South Dakota and earned his bachelor's degree in recreation in 2001. He completed his master's of education in curriculum and instruction from Arizona State in 2006. Coach Storms also has a wife and son. We talk about strength conditioning, both at the collegiate and the high school level. Uh, We even talk about the world's strongest man uh, events and much more. Enjoy today's episode with Coach Josh Storms. 
and go Knowles. On today's episode of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast, I am joined by the head strength conditioning coach for football at Florida State University, Josh Storms. Coach, what's going on, man? How are you? Good. How you doing, Coach? Good to be on tonight. I'm good. I'm good. So let's talk. Uh, let's talk Florida State, man. When you got the when you got the word from Coach Norvell that you were going to Tallahassee from Memphis, what what went through your mind? Uh, I mean, you know, we were having the kind of year there in 2019 uh, where you know you were kind of you were expecting there was going to be opportunities for something something to go down as that season went on, and uh, you know him him and I had talked about you know a lot of things along the way, and you know there's some potential opportunities here and there and whatnot. So you know, I had a pretty good feeling of of you know the the potential things that were that were gonna were gonna be rolling down the pipe at us. And uh, when I found out the uh, uh, Friday the before the championship game there, um, I mean, I was super excited, you know, because it, it's a it's a completely different opportunity. You know, when we went to Memphis, you know, it was a different type of pressure. We were coming there following up a all time you know unprecedented success at that school, and the pressure was, hey, one, don't screw this up, and then two, how are you going to build on this? You know, so it was a different kind of pressure. And then you know, knowing that we were coming to here, I mean, you look at the I mean, the, the history of this program is one of the best programs in college football history. I mean, there's nobody, our, especially our age, that didn't grow up watching this school play ball and, you know, what that spear meant and, and, and everything that went around it. And so coming here, you know, it was just the excitement of, uh, you know, you know, trying to, you know, rekindle the flame at a, at a, at a, a traditional bluebird program like this. It was coming off of a kind of unprecedented low in success. And how are we going to rebuild this and stay true to the heritage here? And just the challenge of taking that on. And so, I mean, there's a lot of excitement and a lot of anxiety. And then, you know, there's always the, you know, you get the, that imposter syndrome, like, holy shit, I'm about to be the head guy at Florida State. Like, me? Like, ooh, like, that's heavy, you know? So, I mean, it's a, there's a lot of a lot of emotion that goes into those, those moments. But, man, it was, it, at the end of the day, when, you know, laid in bed that night, you know, having just won a conference championship, knowing what's coming next, just like, whoa, like, it's, it's a pretty surreal journey that it's been. No doubt. I, I can only imagine. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to kind of piggyback on what you just talked about in terms of the imposter syndrome uh, in a second, but I want to kind of roll back a little bit because you've been with coach Norvell as his, basically his strength guy now for, for six years. Um, in, in this competitive of a field, particularly at the collegiate level to, to kind of have been his, you know, right-hand man, what has that meant to you in terms of pressure, but also um, validation? You know, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot that goes with that, right? Um, you know, there, there's the pressure of, I mean, we've been together since 2012, you know, since he was, since I was the top assistant for football, football at Arizona State, and he was the offensive coordinator, you know, so we had a relationship from there. And then when the opportunity of Memphis came up, so we go together there, like, you know, knowing that, knowing that, you know, he was putting his trust in me. I mean, that means, that means a lot. Cause I mean, trust me, I don't look at our profession like we're saving lives or fighting wars or flying something to the moon, but I do, I do take what I do serious as far as the impact it can have in a program, both positive and negative, you know, for him to, to put that trust in me. I mean, that was, that's a, that's a pretty awesome feeling. You know I mean? I put in a, a lot of years, a lot of sacrifice and, you know, built a lot of relationships and tried to learn as much as possible along the way. And I just always believed that like, you know, when that moment came that, 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 you know, that I was around somebody that had the success that was getting ready to go make that step to be a head football coach that 
hopefully at some point they'd seen something to me that they valued that they wanted to bring along to be part of their program, you know? And so, you know, we've had a good relationship like that. And then just, you know, the, the pressure that comes along with that is just, you know, it's the, the, the pressure to, you know, to hold the standard and teach the standard every day. Cause you know, I got a very unique classroom to operate in and we're kind of the, the tip of the spear when it comes to, you know, implementing that with our guys. And so the, the, the pressure comes with that. And then that's also the pressure as I look around, you know, our, 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 our staff, not just coach Norvell and, you know, his wife and daughter, the rest of our coaches, their families, like I have a responsibility to all of those people to make sure that I'm my best, make sure my staff is our best to put our players in the best possibility to be successful, maximize their ability so we can all be successful. And I could, you know, just as easily, have the you know as big a hand in the failure of that as well as the success. So there's there's that pressure every day. I love how you you explain that so succinctly about it's not just you, it's not just the weight room, but it's it's all everything else, the collateral stuff that comes with it because the, the decisions that you make in terms of not just the programming side of things, but how you reinforce the the, the, the pillars and, and the core values of the program that coach Norvell is trying to instill with these kids, it has a rippling effect for sure. And then obviously you deciding to come with him impacts your family, the, the way it impacts his family and everybody else that's on staff. Um, so for you as the, the strength coach, um, when you, when you show up to the building, right. And you've got, you know, ahead of time, okay, this is where we're at. And you're thinking about stuff. You show up first thing in the morning, you guys are in your meeting. How does your meeting go with your staff in terms of what are we covering today? And, and, and how much do you kind of give them um, respond, dele, uh, delegate responsibility, right? Cause it's, it's a, it's a massive program right memphis florida state it's a lot lot of kids um and you and you talked about the weight room being a classroom and i think that that's one of the things that people who don't spend time in a weight room don't understand that you don't have yes you have elite players at florida state but you don't necessarily have elite level weight room knowledgeable kids right there's a vast variety even at the collegiate level for you the way it is for me at high school right you you just don't have the the extreme novices that I would have but you've got a, a wide variety no different than a classroom teacher would be so how do you work with your staff to better manage that mat that big variety of of athletes that you see so you know kind of look Wind back to the beginning of that. I'm not a big uh, daily meeting guy, to be honest. Um, we put a ton of work and hours and prep in the months leading up to, say, the summer program. You know, my, my goal is to, is to always have, as we transition to summer, by the time, about the time that spring ball is about over, I want to be able to have, you know, within the you know week or two after that, be able to have the entire program in the hands of my staff start to finish from every last thing that we're going to do throughout the entire summer. Okay. Now, some of those things I've, I've delegated and farmed out certain aspects of our program because I want to always make sure my assistants have ownership of what we're doing. Um, I just think that that goes a long ways with those guys. I mean, I, I've hired smart, talented coaches. And if I don't ever let them program anything or write anything or own anything, then 
I'm wasting smart, talented coaches. I'm also not developing those guys to help take that next step. And I'm also not going to have guys that are super bought into the program if they have nothing to do with it other than a coach that walks in and drops the program on the desk and says, do this. So there's been a lot of work and a lot of collaboration, a lot of hours spent on the front end of that. And I do that because, you know, typically, you know, for us in college, you know, kind of in May is some time to kind of get away, unplug, stagger some vacation, get guys out of the building a little bit, you know. And I want when my guys hit those dates that that they're leaving for vacation to know that we're organized, know that we're ready. You know, I always like to, I always like to get that point where I know like we can start tomorrow. We don't start for four or five weeks yet, but I know we could start tomorrow and be organized to do it. And that gives us time to kind of filter through the program and like maybe find some stuff that just like, Hey coach, how we wrote this here, you know, with 40 guys in the room, you know, we're going to get bottlenecked here. This flow doesn't quite work, you know, but if we move this or move that, then this will smooth this out. And I want those guys to be able to see that. Cause when I sit down and write the program, lots of times I'm just thinking of, you know, exercise prescription, movement progression, those things. For me, on the forefront of my mind, isn't how will this flow in the room in the moment? And that's where I, I got to rely on my guys sometimes like, hey, yo, this ain't going to work. Man. We got to move this or move that or stagger these things or you know, whatever the solution is. And I, tr- I trust those guys to do that as well. And then, you know, we'll have, kind of have a recap each day, kind of throughout the day, a lot of conversation. Hey, yo, what do we see here? What do we see there? How can this go smoother? You know, and that's not even talking about like individual guys or modifications or anything. That's just like big, you know, spotlight view stuff of how's the day going to flow? Um, and, and so it's just a matter of, for me, is, is being ultra organized, but making sure it's all done on the front end. So then as we get in the meat of it and as the bullets are flying, we can make small tweaks, small rudder adjustments along the way. Yeah, and I was going to ask you that, but you just addressed it there, right? You don't necessarily have the official big meeting either in the, at, at the, in the morning, but just like you talked about, you're in constant communication. So if you see something that's not flowing right, or you see a guy that is uh, the, the movement's just not coming so smoothly that day, uh, but you didn't get a prior heads up from like the athletic training staff saying that they had this nagging injury or whatever to give you heads up to make modifications. Now, because your converse, you're continuous to me, I'm like, with some of my, some of the coaches I've worked with, it's like, we're, we're always in a meeting because we're always talking um, or we're, you know, we, we leave the office, but we're still texting each other because we've got ideas and what we saw. And, you know, I guess that's the beauty of technology is that you can have that consistent meeting without having to be confined to the office, um, you know, where sometimes the meeting lasts for 10 minutes and then you sit for another 30 to 40 to an hour long and you're just BSing. Um, not that that's a bad thing, but, you know, we all got families to get to. You, you know, you have a son and you got dogs, so you you got to get home to take care of those responsibilities. The same as you have the responsibility to get your your staff home at a decent time, uh, and and then to get those players in and out in a timely and efficient manner. And, and you know, you know, as far as about like some of the injury modification stuff. Uh, you know, with our ATCs, you know, we had a great relationship with those guys. Their room was right down the hallway from ours. Um, we're super proactively involved, them in our world, us in their world. And, you know, it's a good relationship because we're not, it's kind of, it, what's cool about it is, is everybody kind of knows how, like where their lane is and how to stay in their lane, knowing that we got pretty parallel lanes, but then also be able to do things to accentuate the other person's lane. You know, whether we see kind of how a rehab is going, you know, they had a kid come back of an ACL and they're trying to reteach the squat. Hey, you know, that we are experts in that. Like, 
why don't we work on this? Why don't we try that? Like, why don't you work with this cue? And we're not stepping into, oh, I got this. Like, you don't know what you're doing. It's just, it, it's almost, you know, helping coach the trainers in that aspect. It's just like for them, they'll help us with some of our, our ex need and prehab rehab stuff where we'll kind of pull some things, what they're, what our PT is doing and, and whatnot. And they'll help us out with some of that on too, helping accentuate each other's relationship. And I know it's not always that way in strength and conditioning, athletic training, but here at Florida state, we do have an awesome relationship in, in that area, you know? And then, you know, just talking about like, you know, managing, managing my guys. And, you know, the, the, the thing we're the worst at is leaving at the end of the day, you know, because you got guys are passionate about training. We'll want to talk and shop. We're talking about ball, or whatever it may be. And then you realize it's like, man, we could have been home an hour and a half ago. And why are we here? We got here at five o'clock and we're still just sitting here shooting the shit with each other. But, you know, that's a sign of having an awesome staff too. Um, and kind of my, my philosophy with my staff has always been like, when it's time to work, it's time to work. I expect I have a high standard for what I expect on my guys. When it's go time, it's go time. If it's not go time and our work is done, it's complete, we're organized, we've done what we're supposed to do, we're using those few minutes of downtime productively during the day, man, when it's time to go, it's time to go. And, and I'm always going to try to maximize the ability to get my guys out of the facility and out of the building, because to me, their rest, their recovery, their mental freshness, man, that is worth far more to be on the floor than them spending hours guarding a desk or guarding a rack. Yeah, I think that, and that's a that's a big, big point about the desk guarding, the rack guarding, and, and just getting so focused in on this is mine, right? Because to me, uh, and I think your career speaks to this, if you just work hard and you do your stuff to the best of your ability, that product's going to display itself and you're going to be able to get to the places that you want to be. You know, you've been at Arizona state, Memphis, now Florida state, but you've also been with the Vikings. Um, and I'm, I think it was the the power athlete podcast or, or uh, it was a podcast. I think it was last summer. I heard you on and I heard you kind of talking about that journey and your whole deal was, I, I, First of all, if you don't go into the, if you don't get into this profession knowing that there's a chance that you're going to be fired, I think you're doing yourself a disservice because that's just the nature of the beast. It's it's also a business. Um, but if you also go in knowing that you're potentially going to be fired, but they have to find a reason to fire you because you're doing everything right to the best of your ability, you're going to set yourself up for for future success. Um, and so even if you are let go you know, you're going to bounce back because someone's going to make a phone call on your behalf to put you in a better position down the line. Yeah, there's, there's, there's no question. I mean, that's just part of, part of being a coach and I don't care what you coach or where you coach or what level you coach or anything else. That, that is, that is an unfortunate part of this business. Like you could be doing a great job in your area of a, of a program. If other areas of the program fall deficient to the level that they decide to make a change, well, guess what? You're going to go with that. And that's, but that's part of, that's part of the trust of, you know, of that head coach you work for. Like you're, you're signed up to be part of that team. And if the team fails, we all fail. You can't say, well, I was kicking ass. Everybody else sucks. No, it doesn't work. It doesn't work that way. If you're, if you find yourself in that position, it's a, it, the fact of the matter is we all failed together. And what you did individually at, at that point has got absolutely nothing to do with it. You know, you know, if people join the army, you can't suddenly get upset when people should start shooting at you. You know, that's, that's just part of the thing you signed up for. Yeah, uh, that's a great analogy. So in the transition, right, a lot of times you you hear from the sport perspective of creating that buy-in with, with new staffs, but 
there's also got to have that buy-in in the weight room and the strength conditioning side of things, because your approach is going to be different from the guy that, that was there before you. Um, and how your cues are potentially going to be different. Uh, the movements themselves are not different, but how you organize them and where you want to progress to. So what are some things that you were able to kind of do right away that helped create that buy-in to where these guys want to come back every day because they believe in what y'all are doing there for strength conditioning? You know, I, I think one of the first things, you know, in the very first, you know, team meeting we had with those guys, one of the things, you know, like, you know, coaches talked about it kind of in his way, and I always talk about it my way because lots of them are very parallel in our thought. But it's, it's, it's one of those deals that's when you come in, it's like, I'm, I don't expect you to, you know, trust me just because of my title. I don't expect you to respect me just because of my resume or guys I've produced or any of that. All I'm asking you for is an opportunity to show you that I'm trustworthy. I just want an opportunity for you to let me go to work for you and show you that I'm respectable. And if we can do that every day, then we're eventually going to build that actual real trust, that real relationship, you know? And, you know, for us, we came in and we, we started very, very remedial. We, we hammered the basics, you know, we, you know, we, we were taking over a team where their, you know, their head coach had been fired and I believe it would have been week four of the season. Those kids have been through a rough year. Um, that coach didn't, wasn't at the school very long. So we took over quite a few guys who were part of that. We were their third staff. They'd been part of, you know, and I think it's just a matter of coming in and letting those kids know, like, you actually give a shit about them, you know, trying to help you. We're trying to teach you some things along the way. And, you know, as kids start plugging in the program and, you know, they're, 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 they're cautiously bought in initially, you know, because, you know, most kids want to make a good impression on the new staff, but they're still kind of arm's length with it, with it. But then they start seeing the results. They start seeing how you work every day. They start seeing that, you know, you're talking to them about some things outside of just the weight room or outside of just football. And they see the consistency of that every day. And then as weeks go by, months go by, they start seeing, you know, results start to happen, whether it be what they see in the mirror, how they feel in the field, what the weight looks like on the bar, how something moves, how their body feels. And now the buy-in starts to build over time, you know? And then unfortunately for us about that time, that's when COVID hit and quarantine hit. And then, you know, at one point we were away from those guys longer than we'd been with them, you know, and then you had to come back and you almost got, had to, you know, start that process all over again, you know, and, and, and that's okay. You know, it, just, it was just part of our process here. And, and in the long run, it'll make us, it'll make us stronger for having been through it. No doubt. I think, I think we all were able to take some time during those quarantines and lockdowns to really self-reflect and, and look at the, the things in which we were comfortable uh, doing consistently, but then also what, what were some things that we may need to go back and address because, you know, football is, is a 12 month a year deal. There's a couple of down times, but it's pretty much pedal to the metal, especially at an elite level program, whether it's the high school level or the collegiate level, you know, cause there's high pressure period. Um, yeah. so life, so, life is for life is fourth and one. Oh yeah. So what are some things that, you know, kind of took you back in COVID that you were like, okay, I need to probably change this approach or man, I, I heard, I heard somebody speak and I think I'm missing that in the programming or I'm missing that in the conditioning part of things that you decided to implement. You know, I think a lot of that time was uh, uh, a lot of it was just learning 
to communicate better with our with our guys. We'd contact all those guys a couple times a week, whether it be by text, by phone, by FaceTime, whatever it may be. Um, you know, trying to trying to work with them in their individual situations, and then you know a lot of the, a lot of the time was spent you know you know trying to learn and trying to advance and trying to do whatever you could do for, for, for professional development at that time. And then just you know also like you know being reflective on okay what's you know what's our program look like what you know where where are these where do these foundations lie kind of just going over a lot of that but honestly at the end of the day I think what the biggest thing was was when we got back like how thankful I felt or how thankful our staff felt to be back with those guys back doing that work every day like how much you miss being in that environment being in that grind being with those kids you know, the ups, downs, the challenges, the conflict, the resolutions, you know, how much you miss that. And that was, that was the biggest deal. It's just the, the feeling of just gratitude to have the opportunity to do this job for these kids while we have the chance to do it. I think that's, that's awesome. In terms of the buy-in and specifically for you and your staffs, the fact that you guys are still actively training, how much do you think that that plays into the kids buying in because they see you guys getting after it, right? Your staff was that summer strong pulling big weight. You're getting in there, you're squatting, you're deadlifting, you know? So, so what do you think that does for their mental um, psyche in terms of how they view you guys? Honestly, I think it's huge. One, one, if, if you're going to be a strength coach and you don't train, I, I cannot wrap my head around that because if you're not passionate about training and yet I'm trying to inspire a kid to be passionate about training, tell me how that's going to work. At that point, it's fake. It's bullshit, you know? And I get it. As we get older, there may become some modifications to your training. And, you know, hopefully I read, you know, hopefully I, I'm in my fifties plus doing this. Obviously there'd be some things about my training that I don't do that I do now that I don't do then or stuff that I did in my twenties that I can't do now. But like, there's always going to be an avenue of training that I'm going to be passionate about. I'm going to pursue. I'm going to challenge myself because your kids have to see that. And if you're not doing that anymore, trust me, they know. They definitely know. You know, and like, and that's where like social media is powerful to a certain extent because, you know, your kids are in your room for an hour or two a day. Well, you're obviously not training during that hour or two a day. So as far as their world goes, they've never seen you train before, right? And, you know, you can look the part and, you know, some people are more given, you know, more blessed in that area than others. But, you know, and that's where kind of social media comes into play. And like, I, like I post a lot of my training, to be honest, I kind of hate posting a lot of my training because my opinion, I'm a pretty average lifter, but like in the eyes of those kids, it's amazing the impact that has on them and how many times they'll ask about it or comment about it or coach, I saw you here doing this. What were you doing? Or like, how did you do that? Or just that, just that dumb video doing the, uh, the shoulder rock swings with the barbell a week or two ago, like the response that gets from kids, you know? And like, I think that's important, you know? And like, you know, like some of my staff, you know, they see DJ bench 565 or pull 725 or, you know, they see, you know, Lanier video cleaning 400 pounds. Like that's major to those guys. Cause then at least there's some, there's some street credibility that goes with that, you know? And when you're asking them to hit that extra rep or take that bump set at the end of a, end of a session or whatever, like there's a little bit of trust in that. Cause they know like, man, coach is, coach is doing this shit too. Like I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and listen to what he's saying. Cause he's doing it. Or you know, DJ's working with a guy on bench technique. He's like, man, I saw this guy bench 565 on Instagram like a week ago. Like maybe this guy's got some good tips I should I should lock into here. So I do. I think that's really, really important. And I just think for all of us, like, man, like it's, you, you still got to train. You just have to. To me, like that's like, a, that's like a prerequisite of a job. In fact, that's one of my interview questions. I don't care if it's an intern, a GA, a full-time position. 
I'll just casually slide that into conversation during the interview. Hey, what'd you do in your workout today? And it is amazing how many quote unquote strength coaches will be like, oh, well, you know, you know I'm kind of just starting to get back into it. Or I'm like, that's, that's not an answer. You know what I mean? And every now and then you'll catch one. We're like, hey, what'd you do a workout today? Oh man, coach, I'm in week three doing this. And then like they'll, 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 they'll dive into it. And like a lot of guys are passionate like that about training. Have any of the athletes uh, challenged y'all? Challenged you or your staff on on some of the lifts? Uh, not 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 too, not too often. No, not too often. No. Um, you know, though, there's some stuff like like the barbell thing. A couple of guys are like, Coach, can I try that? I'm like, no, that, I'm not not a chance to tell. But I let those guys swing those barbells around for the other guys in the room. <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, it is it, it it is good. It's fun though. And like you know, there's there's some things every now and then, you know, like as a veteran coach, you know, you know you know the stuff you're still good at where you can jump in cold and kind of just, you know, hop in and make something happen. So we'll, we'll, we'll do that from time to time. And it's not even like a, Oh, I can do this and you can't, I'm, no, it's more like, Hey man, I'm going to get, I'm going to get in the trenches with you here for a minute and, and, and do some stuff with you. You know, I'm going to show you that maybe that you can be more than what you believe that you can be right now. Cause if I'm a 43 year old washed up division two, below average tight end, and I can still do some of the stuff, man, like you, you can do more, man. You can raise your level too. Hey man, you know you 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 played at South Dakota State and they almost won a national championship this year. It's, um, played played at University of South Dakota. University of South Dakota. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. sorry. Yep, yep. Yeah. No, nah, you're not washed up, man. You get out there <laughs> on the jug time ago. You get out there on the jugs machine. I'm sure you can catch you a few balls. We'll see. We'll see. I'll leave. I'll leave that one <laughs> to the young guys. No all doubt, those guys man. would love. All those guys would love nothing more than to see Coach Love and go through his hands and take one in the face. So oh yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give him that pleasure. No, no. But let's talk about your resume a little bit. You know, because you were with the Vikings for for a minute. Um, and when you're at a place like Florida State or Memphis or Arizona State, where you have those guys and their eyes are set on the next level, what is it for you that you can? kind of impart to them from a wisdom standpoint in terms of, Hey, these are, these are the steps that I saw guys take to get to this place. And then this is what I saw when I was there that helped these guys either improve or continue to have longevity in their career. You know, I I think the biggest advantage of that experience was is simply is that you've been behind the curtain you've been there you've seen it you've witnessed it and that's a it's a rare experience that not everybody gets and so when you're coaching young guys who aspire to get that level like you're you might be one of the few if only people that they know who's ever been inside those walls before and for me even though it was for a you know a, a one-year time period as a unpaid internship and then a paid position for a season and then a staff that gets fired at the end of the season still there i still saw it you know and so that's that's important for the kids i mean it's trust me it's not as good as having played there that's for sure but it does give them once again it's kind of it builds in some credibility you know where it's not it's not about your resume so to speak but you know you kind of have kind of been to that mystical place that they'd like to get to that they, they've never seen or know, know very much about like you can kind of let them know, you know what 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 that was like and what you saw you know, both good, bad, otherwise, you know, and sometimes it's just simple stuff like that. That locker room environment there is different than what it is in college. It's different than what it was in high school. You know, talking about how some of those older players or younger players that are either trying to make teams or trying to hang on for a couple of years, the lengths they would go to to take care of their body, 
you know, seeing what your starting quarterback would go through from a treatment standpoint during the week from Monday, from Monday, staying overnight at the facility during the week, getting treatment around the clock to be ready to go do his job again the next Sunday. You know, so you can say those kids, like, I, I saw this firsthand. I was there and witnessed it. It's not a story that you heard or, oh, my boy told me when he was there. No, like, I've seen it firsthand, man. I'm just letting you know how it is. Yeah. So then let's let's kind of rewind the other way for a guy like me who, you know, I, I, I was a, just a general student, right? And I worked in the SID office, so I saw some other cool behind-the-scenes stuff, but I don't have the experience – uh, of playing or coaching that, that elite level. Um, but I have guys, uh, and I've coached guys that want to get to the next level. So what are some things that you would like to see at the high school level be done from a strength standpoint so that when they get to you, you can go, I, I know that this guy is, I know that this kid is, is, is good to go. You may not necessarily know exactly where they come from, but you can assess his movement patterns day one and go, all right, he doesn't belong in this, this group. He belongs in that group. From that standpoint. Now, now here's the, I think like, you know, you say, well, you know, I've never been there. Trust me. Some of the best coaches I've ever been around or worked for, guess what? They were never there either in any aspect ever, you know? And so in some ways it, it doesn't matter. You've never been there at all. It doesn't matter one bit, but if you have, that's a nice little, you know, feather in your hat or a card to pull every now and then to kind of impart some advice. Um, but as far as, you know, the, from a high school level transition into college, the biggest thing I see is, is kids got to be taught the basics. And I think it's really, really easy. And it's very common. And this happens in college too, trust me, to up to a very high degree, but you see that even more so in high school and it comes from the same good intentions but, you know, what do we all do? We all read, we research, we learn new techniques, we learn no, all types of stuff, right? And then you want to impart all that wisdom and programming knowledge onto these kids who are super ultra novice lifters that aren't ready for any of it. They're now doing all types of stuff before they can either, you know, before they can perform a full body weight squat in good position, you know? And so that's one of the things I think holds a lot of guys back. And then you also get where it's all about the load on the bar and, technique goes out the window and so we'll get kids that are so high mileage and such beat up lifters before they've ever stepped foot on a college campus because the wear and tear that a high school coach or trainer put on those guys trying to do way too much with not enough foundation building not enough emphasis on technique and too much emphasis on techniques not meant for novice lifters um and you know we'll get all the time you know kids will come in like oh you know we do we do bands and chains at my high school I'm like oh shit here we go. And that kid probably can't do a decent, he can't do a decent squat with 225 pounds in their back, you know, but yet they're doing techniques that were developed for advanced lifters at West side, you know, I'm like, just, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should, you know, like, you know, my mom's 65 years old. She just retired. Okay. Well, I could put chains on a bar and have her squat in. Does she need that? Hell no, she doesn't need that. So just because you can, doesn't mean you should, right. If you can't, you can't go wrong being brutally great at the basics. And honestly, my program here is based around a lot of the same things. You know, your, your, your power clean, your back squat, your bench, your pull up, your pulling movements, that's the king, right? And, and that is what we're going to base our stuff on. And like, when, you know, if I showed you what we do on paper, I, trust me, you're probably not going to be like blown away by how 
advances or all the fancy shit we're doing. It's, it's brutally efficient. It's hard work. It's based around the barbell, you know, and to be honest, you can just wind that back a step further to high school and you just slow that progression down a little bit. You slow cook those kids until they're great at the basics. And then if you build the right type of foundation, you can build whatever you want on top of it, whether it's a house, a log cabin or a skyscraper, it don't matter if the foundation's right, you can build anything on it. And too many people skip the foundation. They want to go straight to the penthouse. Yeah. I think, and I don't know if this is just because of the people that I, I tend to seek knowledge from, but I, I am seeing more and more of an emphasis being placed on exactly what you're talking about. And nobody needs a super fancy ass program um, because it's it's it becomes one, it's a waste of time. And two, it's a shit ton of things to teach. Um, and if they're not good at the basic stuff, then why the hell are we introducing bands and chains and asking or whatever that may oh, be? Yeah, yeah, Advanced whatever. Station or yeah, get a fifteen-year-old, get a fifteen-year-old kid doing triphasic training or whatever it may be. It's like, yeah. man, let's 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 slow this down a little bit, you know? Yeah, and we're just asking, we're asking for something to happen, negative to happen, not the positive. Yes, they're going to get stronger because they're a damn kid. They're going through growth. They're going to get everything stronger, works. Period. Yeah, but the 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 risk to reward ratio is is disproportionately inverse where it's so much of a higher risk and it's not so much that they're going to get injured directly in that movement but something else is going to get injured because they're um you know biggest example is like the the super rounded back deadlift right and they just want to pull it off the floor and they've hitched it 27 times but by god they're going to get it you know, and you talk about posting. you love the mind. You love the mindset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The kids, I, I'm so tough. I'm not going to quit. You love that, but there is a price to be paid for that. Like you cashed in some credits on that right there, even if you are 17. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and not not that I'm 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 34 now, um, and and I still post my my lifts, and you know, I kind of take your same approach. It's like my thought process is I'm not posting from a vanity standpoint, you know, because because I have my own personal numbers that I'm trying to chase, but I, I see the connection that I have with the kids, um, you know, and so like today in our, in our second block of our summer strength conditioning, it's seventh and eighth graders. And I'm, we're, we're just going through body weight, basic clean progression stuff, you know, power position, high pull, the catch, you know, and then even pressing up into, into a jerk position. There's no, there's just no, there's no med balls. There's no barbells, there's no PVC pipes. It's just straight that, you know, and then they're like, well, how much do you lift? How much do you lift? And I get to, to spout it off, but there's been a couple of lifts, um, you know, particularly for like my deadlift where 500 came off the ground a little bit, but I made a business decision and said, I can hitch the shit out of this and say, I did it or I'm gonna put it back down and I'm going to live another day. I'm going to save nope. my, I'm going to save my back because at 34, the recovery is far different from 17 and, uh, and I'll, and I'll go chase it, uh, through better technique, you know, and I'll take the PR, uh, uh, you know, cause we've been talking about a lot of different things, um, you know, through, through DMS. And, and, you know, I think one of the days was the PR for me that day was the fact that I was able to hook grip 315 and I've barely mm -hmm. gotten into hook grip. So I'll take that PR and then I'll express that to these kids and they'll be like, oh shit, 
well, if he's not willing to risk that and gamble that high, maybe I shouldn't either. Now, it's a 17-year-old kid. Are they always going to listen? Hell no. Did no. we always listen at that yeah. age? Hell no. no. Trust me, I'm, I'm 43, and I still can't listen to myself on this stuff 100% of the time. You know, I try, I try to get better at it, but I mean, hell, uh, right before summer strong, you know, I hit a, a, a PR deadlift about six, about six weeks before summer strong and, uh, and it was smooth. It was, I mean, it was awesome. Right. Train cycle leading back up summer strong was going, was great. So I had a day that I was, I was supposed to pull, you know, the plan was like five fifty five or five sixty five for, for a double. And, uh, I hit my last warm set at 500 for, I don't know, was it, was it a triple, triple or four? And I mean, it felt weightless. I mean, the groove was perfect. It was fast. I mean, it was like, it was almost shocking. Like I finished the set and I'm like, oh shit, here we go. And I'm like, you know what? I'll, I'm just going to take the jump. I'll go 585. I'll pull 585 for a double beltless. Like shit, that, that'll be, a, that'll be a, you know, kind of those, you know, off-brand PRs in and of itself, you know? And uh, hit the first one and, you know, I was lifting by myself. And I was rushing. Everything was wrong. Right, it was you should have never ever fought that battle, but I, I I let that one set kind of fool me in that I was gonna ride the wave that day. And uh, the first rep was it was fine, but it was a little little heavier, a little slower than it should have been. That second one breaks the ground, gets the mid shin, and that's where I'm like, yo, this ain't it. And I, I put it down. I'm like, ah, oh, that new right away was stupid. And then that back tightness starts to creep in, and then like, <laughs> shit. So you know, then then what do you do? You gotta take you take a little bit of a setback and. You know, and, and, you know, you live and you learn, but it, it, it's tough. I, mean, I don't think if you're passionate about it, about it, and you like pursuing strength, man, I don't know if you, if you'll ever get to a point where you're going to be a hundred percent intelligent about your own training all the time. You know what I mean? And I, I feel like I've gotten a lot better at that, but man, it, it's, it's something that's never going to go away. There's always be that voice in, your, in the back of your head saying, don't be soft. You can do it. Just get it done. You know, oh, yeah. there's days and there's days you got to show your body who's boss too, you know, but uh, <laughs> you, you do got to be smart. And, you know, like you said, with making a business, business decision every now and then and, you know, live to lift another day. Because ultimately, like one of the biggest things I preach to my guys and one of the biggest things I try to base my life and my training around is consistency. It's doing the damn work every single day. <clears throat> Excuse me, whether you're motivated or not, whether you want to do it or not, it's still work that needs to get done. And trust me, I love training. But at 43 years of doing this consistently for as long as I have, I got to do a lot of mental shit to trick myself into wanting to go out there and do it all the time. And it's that consistency has to take over. Well, if I do something dumb like that, hurt myself like that, and now I miss a week or whatever training, or maybe it's maybe it's worse, maybe it's longer. Well, guess what? Now I'm not being consistent anymore. And it's because I'm making a foolish decision, you know? And so sometimes it's having the discipline to, to you know, you got to be like Kenny Rogers and knowing to hold them and knowing to fold them. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, as a strength coach and, and, and given your years of experience, how often are you programming for yourself or are you turning that over to either a different, you know, like a pen and paper or, uh, you know, one of your guys on staff, just, just because, you know, I think we can all program for ourselves, but sometimes we may either go too hard or go too light depending on how we feel. And so, you know, either that, that bitch voice creeps in or you get too bold and you're like, Oh yeah, this is the cycle that I'm just smashing everything. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. I used to love it and I've grown over the past, I don't know, quite a few years. I hate programming for myself. I hate it. 
Um, I would way rather it's fun sometimes just to be the athlete. Coach, give me the card, whatever's on it, man, I'm going to get it done. Because if I wrote it myself, it's like, man, I feel like some uh, uh, creative license with it here and there of what I'm going to do. Or or I'm always, I'm also, I'm also going to program how I program. And I'm going to program kind of in a certain wheelhouse of movements and volume and tempo and all those kinds of things. And it, it's, that's why I like doing somebody else's stuff. So it'll make me do some movements I maybe wouldn't have done otherwise. It'll maybe get me into some rep ranges that I wouldn't have done otherwise. You know, I already got a program for 125 guys. Trust me, I don't want to write for 126, you know. And uh, so I do. I like, I like you know, there's you know, a few different people I'll go to for, for that stuff. But I do enjoy just, all right, where's my card? What's in the card today? All right, here we go, giddy up. You know, rather than, well, I said, I wrote this program for myself. And like, I, I'm just, that doesn't do it for me anymore. I'd rather just coach, tell me what to do. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And, you know, uh, our offensive line coach and I, he, he purchased the, uh, the Shaw strength uh, subscription. So we ran, we ran a couple of blocks of that. And, you know, there were days where it was just brutal in terms of, of the reps. And then, you know, we switch over to some pen and paper stuff and it's like, things, things got over like eight reps and we were like, what the hell is this? Like we've been used to, <laughs> used to Shaw, you know, the, the heavy stuff sitting around four and then all of a sudden it jumps to eight and 10 and you're like, Oh, I guess this is the cardio portion because it's just lighter weight moving at more reps <laughs> and faster. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and double A will get pretty aggressive with some of his rep ranges and percentages and stuff. And I like that. Um, and you know, there's, there's times from doing someone else's program, like I'll pull some pieces out of it that I'll apply to our guys, you know, um, funny things about doing Shaw strength. Um, I actually hired Brian as a, as an intern at Arizona state, like my first or second year I was there. Um, I'd always stayed in touch with my advisor in the first school I went to, I went to Black Hill state for a year before I transferred to USD. And, uh, I don't, but I had an advisor that I loved and we, we stayed in touch for years and years. And, um, he reached out to me. He's like, Hey, he goes, I know, you know, you guys, you'll know, have a good internship program. You're always looking for guys. You know, we got this kid just finished playing basketball here really wants to be a straight coach, great kid, great weight room guy. You know, do, do you mind if I get you guys in touch? Yeah, no problem. So, you know, kid, you know, you know, introductory email and whatnot. And then he kind of, in one of his lines of the email, I was like, yeah, you know, Ted talk about playing basketball and want to be a straight coach. And it was like a little side note, but, you know, my, my real goal is, you know, so that I want to be world's strongest man. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm like, come on, man, you're an NAI basketball player. Like, that's probably not in the cards. I just got done working for Mark Phillippe like a year ago. Trust me. I know what that world looks like. Those guys I've been around Magnus Samuelson. I've been around Phil Fister. I've been around John Anderson, all those guys. I know what that looks like. And trust me, as an NAI basketball player, man, this kid is delusional. So what we used to do with those guys and said, you know, before zoom, all those things, like we had them send in a VHS tape of them uh, coaching or performing three movements. Right. And so, you know, that's part of it was to kind of see maybe what we were getting, but also too, just will the kid do it? Will they do a good job of it? When they did it, it looked like they gave a shit about the product they were sending you. So we popped this tape in from Brian Shaw from Spearfish, South Dakota at that time. And the screen pops up and all you see like angled up is like this arm and this girl in the background is coaching on squat, but it's just this massive body taking up the whole frame of the TV. And uh, I was working with Joe Ken at the time. He walks in, he goes, Whoa, he's like, who's that gigantor? He goes, hire him. So we uh so we brought we brought Brian out. He's an intern for us. We hired him as a GA for a short time before he headed back home to to really, really dedicate, pursue strong man. Um, we were 
we were at the NSCA conference in Vegas, right? And this is like 2005 or six, probably five. And uh, you know, that's back when like, there's very few vendors, right? Like the Sornex booth back then was two tables and Pops was hanging out there and with a couple grip implements. And that was it. That was the extent of the booth at that time. And so Brian Gigantor to us at that time, we're walking by and he stops like, oh, he's like, oh, she's like, that's a Thomas Inch dumbbell. And, uh, and, you know, at that time, Brian's like 290, you know, he's, you know, he's six, seven or whatever he is, you know, he's a big guy. looks like an NFL left tackle, not like a strong man, you know? And uh, he's like, man, he goes, oh, you know, only so many people can pick, can pick that up. And he's like, man, you think I can try it? I'm like, yeah, they're not going to care. Has never seen him before. Just reaches down and just picks it up to his waist, sets it back down. He's like, man, I thought that'd be harder than that. And I'm like, holy shit. And I see, I can see, I can see pops out of the corner of my eye. He sits up in his chair. And then Brian goes, you know what? He goes, only, and he knew like off the top of his head, like how many people had ever like shouldered. He goes, man, I, I want to try it. And he's in like khakis and a polo shirt at a conference and just reaches down, picks up his shoulders to Thomas Inch Dumbbell. Man, Pops comes hopping about the chair. He's like, who, who is who is this guy? And where did he come from? And like, you know, I introduced him to Mark Phillip when we were out there. And like, you just, you saw the progression of the guy's career. You know, he's going for number five right now. Like it's, Pretty awesome, and you know, you stick around in this business long enough, you can kind of you kind of acquire a few uh few neat stories like that. That's awesome. That that's a you know, I, I'm I'm a big Shaw fan, but that's not something that uh, I had ever heard. You know, I was always curious uh, to as to why or how not not why, but like how he made that jump from, you know, I knew he was play collegiate ball to to getting into strongman, and, and lo and behold here it is. You're telling me he had a, he had a line in his email uh, telling you that that's his goal. You know, years later, he's got four. And like you said, he's going for five and he's, he seems to be looking pretty strong with it. And, you know, I, I, I think he's just, you know, I, my offensive line coach and I are big strongman fans and, you know, we would love to be able to go and go to the Shaw classic, but unfortunately he schedules it at a very inconvenient time for those of us that are involved in football. That um, happens in football. Yeah, right. All the good stuff happens when you can't go anywhere. Yep. yep. Nobody, nobody wants to have events in like May, June, July, except for World's Strongest Man right now. But, you know, it's, it, it is it is the unfortunate nature of the beast when you got to make those decisions about people's weddings and other things, too. Yep. No, it's true. That is the truth. That's part of the part of the deal, you know. Well, Coach, I want to get you out here on some on a few rapid fire questions, man. It's been All awesome. Right. Um, you know, first and foremost uh you're you're if if people don't know you're 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 a whiz on the grill so what's your what's your what's your go-to the thing that you don't ever screw up in terms of on the grill you know i don't well this might be cheating because this would be reverse here man you can't you cannot beat a ribeye you just can't i don't care if it was uh, a tuesday night you have them to give them in the fridge or if it was your last meal on death row man like that's that's that would be my that would always be my go-to yeah. What's something that you want to attempt to grill or, or roast or whatever that you haven't yet? You know what? Okay. So what it is, is just the great big beef ribs that look like damn dinosaur bones. Um, and that's not like a very uncommon thing. It's just something I just have not done that I, that I really want to do one of these, hopefully weekend sometime in July when I got a little bit of time. There you go. There you go. Uh, you're a big Sorenex guy. What? Why? the people and the relationships, the customer service, 
you know, I mean, you can squat out of anybody's rack and get just as strong as you can out of any other rack, but you know, that, that, uh, that, that family, not just the Soren family, but just the, the family that is Sorenex and, you know, it's, that's pretty unmatched. You know, we, I, you know, I got a couple very specific stories of things they've done from a customer service standpoint that I promise you there's not another manual fat manufacturer in the world that would do what they do without thinking twice about it. So I, I think I have an idea of what this next answer will be, but, but we'll, we'll, I'll ask it anyway. If you could train anywhere in the world, where would it be? Anywhere, anywhere in the world, man. Honestly, my favorite place to train in the world is my garage when my son comes out to train to. Because, you know, he's seven and like, I don't force him to do it. And it used to be, you know, when dad's working out in the garage, like he wanted, he, like he wasn't going out there. Like there's a lot of shit going on. Right. And then it kind of became, he kind of wanted to come out there and sit and watch. And then it was like, he'd come out and be like, can I try that? Or do you think I can pick that up? Or what can I do? And so then, then that kind of turned into like every Saturday we'll train in the garage. And like, man, to, to me, that is my, that, that is awesome, man. That's the, that's to me, that's the best. What's uh, I, I actually meant to ask this earlier. You know, at the high school level, kids in the in the field house, kids in the weight room, it's just it's a product of the environment. Right. You know, especially if you're married to it, to an educator, um, our offensive line coach's daughter uh, was then there all the time during the end of school. And, uh, you know, she she pulls all the plow boxes down, creates her fort, jumps around. <laughs> we started doing the um, <clears throat> I don't know who invented it, but the the wrist rolls with the barbell where you take a, a band and there's a dumbbell on the yep. bottom I don't, yep. and, and we're rolling it and she all of a sudden wants to do it. And she's uh five or six years old. So yeah. she gets over there, gets her five or 10 pounder. She does it a couple times or whatever. So what's, what's it like with kids around the football facility and the weight room? I know at a, a big D one, there's, a, there's obviously a lot of, you know, legal things and, and stuff like that. But, you know, I think that's part of the family atmosphere uh, that I would assume Coach Norvell wants to have. Yeah, it, it, it is unique. I mean, you, you know, if you came to a practice in season or during spring ball, like, you know, kind of midway through practice, you start seeing a few of the wives and kids show up. And by the end of practice, pretty much the entire family is there, you know, and the kid, you know, all the, all the kids will run around and, you know, you know, play ball in the indoor or do whatever. And then like, you know, Sunday nights in season after practice, we do like family meal upstairs, you know, everybody comes, everybody eat together, a little bit of fellowship and stuff. So like, you know, our kids are always welcome around. I mean, like my, my son's seven, uh, coach's daughter is only about 10, young, 10 months or so younger than he is. You know, those two have grown up with each other their entire lives, you know, and it's kind of funny. They, they'll tell me like, like, I've known you my entire life. <laughs> it, literally, it literally is, you know? And, and so it's, it's a really unique environment because like, I know for a fact in this business that can't be said everywhere. You know, but but working here, it, it, it's a real thing. And so it's great because I think when when whether it be your wife or your kids can come around and meet the players and get to know those players and get to know the staff better and see what the environment looks like, it makes them it helps them understand the sacrifice of how much time you're giving them away from those that are in your house. And it, 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 I think that helps tremendously. Um, and plus, you know, how it is during the season when that when that grind is, is going, especially for, for those ball coaches, man, a chance to get in, to sit with your family and have a dinner that you might not have gotten otherwise. Man, that's that's huge. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, you know, my last question is, is really, you know, for you, um, you know, and just our conversations, I, I know that you're not uh, 
you don't take yourself necessarily too serious. You, 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 you're extremely humbled, but what makes you engage with coaches that reach out to you uh, via social media or email or whatever that want to ask you questions, whether it's your training, what you're doing at the school you're at, you know, because there are some guys in this profession that guard everything. And the only re the only way that you can access them is through five different channels and a secret password kind of thing, wherein some people are very wide open about what, what they know and are willing to share. So, all right, so that's a couple fold, right? Here, so here's the thing. I'll, I'll interact with anybody that reaches out to me, I will interact with. The depth of my interaction is going to really, really be around the depth upon what they're asking. You know, uh, trust me, I can see the real quick if someone's hit me up to ask for a handout or if they actually have some questions and some things they're trying to learn. And it doesn't take too long to figure out which one's which. And if someone's really trying to seek knowledge and they're curious about what we do and you know, or even better, you know, hey, coach, here's what we are doing. Is there something that we're missing? Or is there something we can do better? Can you help us streamline or organize? Man, that, that that's awesome. When, the, when it's the reach out, we're like, hey, coach, can I get a copy of your off-season program? For what? You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not, like, I don't, I, I don't do handouts. I'm as open as, as a guy as there is in the business. I will share, literally, I will share everything, you know? Um, and, and part of the reason I do that is one, it, it, it's part of paying it forward. It's part of helping advance the business and the profession. It's the right thing to do because I think about it as a young coach reaching out to coaches and never getting anything back, but, but crickets, I'm like, man, that's bullshit, right? Like treat people good. And you know, if someone reaches out and has questions like, man, I'm, I'm open to help. I want to share. And if it's a way, if it's a more experienced person, a more seasoned guy, even better, I'll share even more. Because what I hope is sometimes someone looks at what I'm doing. is like, hey, man, you should really tweak this like this. Or have you thought about doing this instead of like, man, like sometimes I kind of share for selfish reasons. Because I'm hoping somebody will give me something reciprocal that's going to help make me better too, you know. And, and I, and I want to help kind of, you know, whatever, demystify what this business is. You know, there's not, in my mind anyways, there's not secrets anymore. You know, you can go back into the 80s and, you know, there wasn't social media and there wasn't the coverage there is now. And that's back when training was super campy. I mean, you could be ultra Olympic lifting or ultra power lifting, bodybuilding, or you had a coach that went to Russia once and saw some things or you're straight high intensity. And like, like your program back then was a secret, so to speak. You know, people used to go visit coaches and ask for a copy of the program and they'd give them a program that was a fake program they didn't really do because they didn't want to share what they were doing because there was secrets back then but man now like we put all of our stuff on social media our 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 media teams in-house cover stuff and put it out there it's on you know you see straight coaches on espn and all that though so much is shared that trains become so much more homogenous that like we all do a lot of the same stuff you know we emphasize the different things or we maybe reorder some different things but then the day man the training you go in most weight rooms they look pretty similar you look at most programs and actions, man, they probably look pretty similar, you know? And so to me, to like, to not share, it's like, man, what are we, what are we doing? Like, what, what, where, where is it be, to be lost in, in being open? I don't care if it's a guy in my conference that we're going to line up a play against. Like, I still have faith in that we're going to do it better. And so I'm not scared to share what we do because I know that they won't do it how we do it. Or maybe they won't emphasize the same culture and structure that we do so the result is different. I mean, you can get, you can give every division and strength coach in America the same exact plan. And you're going to come out with just as many different results. No doubt. So, and and I, I like, I like, I like to share like that. Just 
to me, it's just, man, that's how, that's what this business is about. That's how this business got to where it's at is by people learning and growing. And if I can be that guy to help someone learn and grow, then, then good. And I've done that ever since I was an assistant to the lowest of the low guys. when I first went to Arizona state or UNLV, like I've answered pretty much every email I've ever gotten in regards to questions and inquiries about the program or opportunities or getting in the business or mentoring or whatever it may be. And sometimes guys get some hard mentoring. If they send me something that was, you know, Hey coach, I'm you know looking to get in the business and, you know, I'm really excited about what you're doing with your program at West Virginia. I'm like, well, hold on. Never been there. If you're going to reach out and do these things, man, be detail oriented enough to make sure you know who the hell this is going to and why. And sometimes, sometimes those, those hard lessons are probably some of the most valuable for guys getting in the business too. Um, and, and so I just think I just, man, I can't put enough emphasis on how important I think that is to do. And I, once again, how willing I am to do so. Awesome, man. Well, this, this leads me into my last question is, you know, where do you want to see the profession itself grow in general, whether it's at the, you know, junior high, seventh, eighth grade level, all the way to, you know, collegiate and, and NFL? What, what I would like to see is people get away from such a scarcity mindset, right? Just because you become a great coach doesn't make me less of a great coach and, and vice versa, up and down the chain, every direction, right? What I'd love to see is things become a little more collaborative you know like you know we have guys that when they have time off they go home they have trainers they work with or whatever and i would love to see more relationships happen between those types of interactions so that trainer feels that it's open that he can reach back out to the guy's college strength coach or to his nfl strength coach and be like hey so-and-so just came to me is there any injuries they've been working through what have they been doing hey what do they need to do for you when they come back you know, let me let me get them ready for what they need to do for you, because ultimately that's where this the program this kid's plugged into, you know, be able to see guys more open to share. And I think there's so much of that that doesn't happen because, like I said, of a, a scarcity mindset of maybe you have a guy that wants to do that, but has hit so many roadblocks and dead ends before trying to communicate with guys who didn't have the secret handshake and the password and, the, and whatnot that they don't even try, you know, and and I think that works between high school kids, too, you know. You got a kid in your school that, you know, that, that commits to us or whatever it may be. Well, you know what I want? I want to be able to have a relationship with that guy and find out what this kid's been doing, right? What's he good at? What's he suck at? What's he need to work at? What buttons have you pushed that worked well? And I think there's so much of that communication that just doesn't, this doesn't happen in our business that ultimately, if there was more of that, you know who it serves better? The athletes. You know who it serves better? Us as coaches and building a better network. Because you never know when there's going to be a, a job opportunity or even just the opportunity to network and be in town. And be like, hey, man, I know coach so-and-so, whatever high school, we can go get a lift in and talk shop and go have a beer afterwards. But that just doesn't happen a lot of times because people are unwilling to reach out or, or they're unwilling to open their doors. No doubt. Well, coach, I appreciate the time. I sincerely appreciate all the the nuggets that you've provided me over this short time that we've we've started our dialogues. Uh, if anybody wants to follow you on social media, what's the, what's your uh, handle? It's at coach storms on Twitter. And it's at coach storms on Instagram. Pretty easy to find. Oh yeah. It's, it's all worthwhile stuff, guys. Coach posts a lot of great, great stuff, great information. Uh, he's a wealth of knowledge. And, and I know that if there's something that he doesn't know, he'll direct you to, to wherever the best potential place to find it is. So like I said, coach, thank you for your time, man. And, and, Best of luck in the rest of this offseason and going into the uh, into the fall.
Oh, man, I appreciate taking the time to have me on, man. I'm always happy to do it. Go Knowles. Go Knowles. Thanks for checking out the podcast today. Really hope you enjoyed today's guest. Don't forget to leave a like and a review. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast fixed from. Ratings and reviews really help us reach more viewers. Peace out. Have a nice day. Be the change you want to see in the world. <laughs>